Section one of the Doctor's Christmas Eve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Doctor's Christmas Eve by James Lane Allen. Section one. The Children of Desire. The morning of the 24th of December, a quarter of a century ago, opened upon a vast plateau of central Kentucky as a brilliant but bitter day, with a wind like the gales of March. Out in a neighborhood of one of the wealthiest and most thickly settled counties, toward the middle of the forenoon, two stumpy figures with movements full of health and glee appeared on a hilltop of the treeless landscape. They were the children of the neighborhood physician, a man of the highest consequence in his part of the world, and they had come from their home, a white and lemon-colored 18th-century manor-house a mile in the rear. Through the crystalline air, the chimneys of this low structure, rising out of a green girdle of cedar trees, could be seen emptying unusual smoke, which the wind in its gambling pounced upon and jerked away level with the chimney-tops. But if you had stood on the hill where the two children climbed into view, and if your eye could have swept round the horizon with adequate radius of vision, it would everywhere have been greeted by the same wondrous harmonious spectacle. Out of the chimneys of all dwellings scattered in comfort and permanence over that rich domestic land, a land of Anglo-Saxon American homes, more than daily winter smoke was pouring. One spirit of preparation, one mood of goodwill, warmed houses and hearts. The whole visible heaven was receiving the incense of Kentucky Christmas fires. The whole visible earth was a panorama of the common peace. The two dauntless, frostifying wayfarers, what Emerson, meeting them in the depths of a New England winter, might have called two scraps of valor, were following across fields and meadows and pastures one of the footpaths which children who are friendly neighbors naturally make in order to get to each other as the young of wild creatures trace for themselves upon the earth some new map of old hereditary traits and cravings for the goal of their journey they were hurrying toward a house not yet in sight but hardly more than a mile ahead where they were to spend christmas day and share in an old people's and children's christmas tree party on christmas night and where also they were to put into execution a plot of their own about which a good deal is to be narrated they were thus transferring the nation's yearly festival of the home from their own roof tree to that of another family as the place where it could be enacted and enjoyed the tragical meaning of this arrangement was but too well understood by their parents to them the abandonment of their own fireside at the season when its bonds should have been freshened and deepened scarcely seemed an unnatural occurrence the other house had always been to them as a secondary home it was the residence of their father's friend a professor in the state university situated some miles off across fine country his two surviving children a boy and a girl of about their own ages had always been their intimate associates and the woman of that household the wife the mother all their lives they had been mysteriously impelled toward this gentlewoman by a power of which they were unconscious 
but by which they had been swayed the little girl wore a crimson hood and a brown cloak and the boy a crimson skull cap and a brown overcoat and both wore crimson mittens and both were red-legged and red-footed for stockings had been drawn over their boots to ensure warmth and to provide safeguard against slipping when they should cross the frozen elkhorn or venture too friskily on silvery pools in the valley bottoms the chestnut braids of the girl falling heavily from under her hood met in a loop in the middle of her broad fat back and were tied there with a snip of ribbon that looked like a feather out of the wig of a blue jay her bulging hips overreached the borders of the narrow path so that the boy was crowded out upon the rough ground as he struggled forward close beside her she would not allow him to walk in front of her and he disdained to walk behind then walk beside me or go back she has said to him laughing carelessly she looked so tight inside her wrappings so like a jolly ambulatory small barrel well hooped and mischievously daubed here and there with vermilion that you might have had misgivings as to the fate of the barrel were it to receive a violent jolt and be rolled over no thought of such mishap troubled her as she trotted forward balancing herself as lightly on her cushioned feet as though she were wind-carried thistledown nor was she disturbed by her selfishness in monopolizing the path and forcing her brother to encounter whatsoever the winter earth obtruded stumps of forest trees brambles of blackberry sprouts of cane or stalks of burdock and of spanish needle his footing was especially troublesome when he tried to straddle wide cornrows with his short legs or when they crossed a hemp field where the butt-ends of the stalks serried the frost-grey soil like bayonet points. Altogether his exertions put him out of breath somewhat, for his companion was fleet, and she made no allowance for his delays and difficulties. Her hands, deep in the fleece-lined mittens, were comfortably warm, but she moreover kept them thrust into a muff of white fur, which also looked overfed and seemed of a gay harmony with its owner. This muff she now and then struck against her flexed knees in a vixenish playfulness as one beats a tambourine on a bent elbow and at a certain point of the journey having glanced sideways at him and remarked his breath on the icy air she lifted it to her mouth and spoke guardedly from behind it remember the last thing papa told us at the window herbert we were to keep our mouths closed and to breathe through our noses and remember also my child that we were to rely upon especially to rely upon the ribs and the diaphragm i wonder why he thought it necessary to tell us that did he suppose that as soon as we got by ourselves or arrived at the owsleys we'd begin to rely on something else and perhaps try to breathe with our spines and elbows her eyes sparkled with mischief and her laughter had the audacity of a child's satire often more terrible in its small world than a sage's in his larger one the instant she spoke you recognized the pertness and precocity of an american child which when seen at its best or at its worst is without precedent or parallel among the world's children she was the image of a hard bold crisp newness her speech was new her ideas were new her impertinence was new except in this country she appeared to have gathered newness during her short life to be newer than the day she was born 
the air was full of frost spangles that zigzagged about her as she danced along they rather seemed like particles of salt especially provided to escort her character if it had been granted lot's wife with tears of repentance to dissolve away the crystals of her curiosity and resume the duties of motherhood though possibly permeated by a mild saline solution as a warning that salt cured matron might admirably have adapted herself to the decrees of providence by producing elsie the boy as she administered her caution stopped and shutting his own red mouth which was like hers though more generous he drew a long breath through his nostrils then throwing back his head he blew this out with an open-mouthed puff and a column of white steam shot up through the blue ether and was whirled away by the wind he stood studying it a while as it disappeared for he was a close observer always a perpetual watcher of the thing that is sometimes an observer fearful to confront then he sprang forward to catch up with his sharp-tongued monitress who had hurried on as he came alongside he turned to face toward her and made his reply which was certainly deliberate enough in arriving we have to be taught the best way to breathe elsie as anything else the defence only brought on a fresh attack i wonder who teaches the young of other animals how to breathe i should like to know who teaches kittens and puppies and calves and lambs how to breathe how do they ever manage to get along without country doctors among them imagine a middle-aged sheep old dr buck assembling a flock of lambs and trying to show them how to breathe judging from elsie's expression the lambs in the case should not have thought very highly of this queer and genial dr buck but they are all four-legged creatures elsie and they breathe backward and forward if you are a two-legged animal and stand up straight you breathe up and down it's quite different it's easier then i suppose the fewer legs a thing has the harder it is to get its breath and i suppose if we venture to stand on one leg we'd all soon suffocate dear me why don't all one-legged people die at once the lad looked over the field of war on which it would seem that he was being mowed down by a small gunfire before he could get his father's heavy artillery into action he decided to terminate the wordy engagement a prudential manoeuvre of the wiser head but slower tongue father is right he declared his manner of speaking was sturdy and decisive it was meant to remind her first that he had enough gallantry as a male to permit her to crowd him out of the path but that the moment a struggle for mental footing arose between them he reserved the whole road the female could take to the weeds he notified her also that he stood with his father not only in this puzzling question of legs and parlous types of respiration but that the men in the family were regularly combined against the women like good organized against evil but now something further had transpired had there been present on the winter fields that morning an ear trained to separate our complex human tones into simpler ones to disengage one from another the different fibres of meaning which always make up even the slenderest tendril of sound as there is a cluster of grapes to a solitary stem it might as it noted one thing have discovered another 
while the boy asserted his father to be right in the matter they were debating there escaped from him an accent of admission that his father was wrong wrong in some far graver affair which was his discovery and his present trouble therefore his voice which should have been buoyant for the instant was depressed and his face which should have been a healthy boy's happy face was overcast as by a foreign interference you might have likened it to a small luminary upon a shining disk of which a larger body traversing its darkened orbit had just begun to project a wavering shadow and thus some patient astronomer of our interorbited lives sweeping the spiritual heavens for signs of its pendant mysteries here might have arrested his telescope to watch the portent of a celestial event was there to take place the eclipse of a son by a father certainly at least this weight of responsibility on the voice must have caused it to strike only the more winningly upon any hearer it was such a devoted loyal voice when he thus spoke of his father with a curious quavering huskiness of its own as though the base note of his distant manhood were already beginning to clamour to be heard the voice of the little girl contrariwise was a shrill treble had you first become aware of it at your back you must instantly have wheeled to investigate the small creature it came from as a wild animal quickly turns to face any sand that startles its instincts voltaire might have had such a voice if he had been a little girl yet to look at her you would never have imagined that anything but the honey of speech could have dripped from so perfect a little rose many surprises await mankind behind round amiable female faces shrews are not all thin instead of being silenced by her brother's ultimatum she did not deign to notice it but continued to direct her voluble satire at her father quite with the air of saying that a girl who can satirize a parent is not to be silenced by a son forever telling us that american children must have the newest and best way of doing everything my 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 the working of our jaws and the drinking and the breathing and the stretching and the bending developing everything we have and everything we haven't i am even trying now to find an original american way to go to sleep at night and to wake up in the morning dear me but old people can be silly without knowing it she laughed with much self-approval for elsie had already entered into one of mankind's most dependable recreations the joy of listening to our own words into that economic arrangement of nature whereby whatsoever a human being might lose through the vocal cords is returned to the owner along the auditory nerve so that a woman can eat her colloquial cake times over and each time having devoured it can return it to the storeroom and have it brought out as whole and fresh as ever sometimes actually increased in size and a man can send his vocal niagara through his whirlpool rapids and catch it again above the falls the more gold the delver unearths the more he can empty back into the thinking mine one can sit in his own cranial theatre and produce his own play he can be stage and orchestra audience and critic and he can see that the clack does not get drowsy and slack it never does in this case the child now threw back her round winter rose of a face and started along the path with a fresh outburst of speed and pride 
access of impertinence seemed to have released in her access of vitality perhaps it had perhaps it always does perhaps life itself at the full is sheer audacity the lad scrambled roughly along and merely repeated the words that sufficed for him father knows suddenly he gave a laughing outcry and stood still look he called out with amusement at his plight he had run into some burdock and the nettles had stuck to his yarn stockings like stinging bees a cluster of them about his knees and calves he drew off his gloves showing the strong overgrown hands of boyhood they like his voice seemed impatiently reaching out for maturity when he overtook his companion who had not stopped he had transferred a few of the burrs to his skull-cap he had done this with crude artistry for some faint surviving impulse of primitive man to decorate his body with things around him in nature especially his head possibly he foresaw that his head would be most struck at the lad was pleased with his caper and smiling thrust his head across her path expecting her to take sympathetic notice he had reason to expect this because on dull rainy days at home he often amused her with the things he did and the things he made for he was a natural carpenter and toy-maker but now she only took the contemptuous notice of disapproval this morning her mind was intent on playthings of positive value she was a little travelling ten-toed pagoda of holiday greed every christmas she prepared for its celebration with a balancing eye to what it would cost her and what it would bring in she always calculated to receive more than she gave for elsie the nativity must be made to pay he resented her refusal to approve his playfulness by so much as a smile and he came back at her by doing worse why didn't i think to bring all the birds along and make a christmas basket for elizabeth now what will i give her this drew out a caustic comment quickly enough poor elizabeth a child resents injustice with a blow or rage or tears the old have learned to endure without a sign waiting for god's day of judgment or their first good opportunity he was furious at the way she said poor elizabeth as though elizabeth's hands would be empty of gifts from him you know i have bought my presents for elizabeth elsie he exclaimed but elizabeth thinks more of what i make than of what i buy he continued hotly and the less it is worth the more she values it but you can't understand that elsie and you needn't try the little minx laughed with triumph that she had incensed him i don't expect to try she retorted blithely i don't see that i'd gain anything if i did understand you and elizabeth are a great deal too he interrupted overbearingly leave elizabeth out confine your remarks to me my remarks will be wholly unconfined said elsie as she trotted forward he scrambled alongside in silent rage perhaps he was thinking of his inability to reach protected female license he may obscurely have felt that life's department of justice was being balked at the moment by its department of natural history and not uncommon interference in this too crowded world at least he put himself on record about it if you were a boy elsie you'd get taken down a buttonhole 
don't you worry about my buttonholes chirped elsie my buttonholes are where they ought to be it was not the first time that he had made something of this sort for elizabeth one morning of the may preceding he had pulled apart the boughs of a blooming lilac bush in the yard and had seen a nest with four pale green eggs that autumn during a ramble in the woods and fields he had taken birds and made a nest and deposited in it four pale green half-ripe horse chestnuts elizabeth who did not amount to much in this world but breath and a soft cloud of hair and sentiment had loyally carried it off to her cabinet of nests these were duly arranged on shelves and labelled according to species and life and love the meadow larks the bluebirds the orchard orioles the brown thrashers on and on along the shelves at the end of a row she placed this treasured curiosity and described it an imitation by a young animal elizabeth's humour was a mild beam do country children in that part of the world make such playthings now do they still look to wild life and not wholly to the shops of cities for the satisfying of their instincts for toys and games and fancies do older stalks still race down dusty country lanes as thoroughbred colts afterwards to be tied in their stalls in fence corners with halters and green hemp does any little rustic instrument maker now draw melodies from a home-grown corn stalk across rattling window panes of old farmhouses between withered sashes during long winter nights does there sound aeolian harp made with a hair from a horse tail do boys still squeeze the red juice of pokeberries on the plumage of white barnyard roosters thus whenever they wish bringing in a cockfight between old far-squandered cookins who long previously had entered into a treaty as to their spheres of influence in a manchuria of hens do the older boys some wet night lead the youngest around the corner of the house in the darkness and show him there rising out of the ground the long-expected devil come at last as a pumpkin carved and candle-lighted for his own particular urchin when in autumn the great annual ceremony of the slaughter of the swine takes place on the farms at the approach of the winter solstice a festival running back to aboriginal german tribes before the beginning of agriculture when the stock had been fattened to the mast and pasturage of the mountains was driven down into the villages and perforce killed to keep it from starving when this carnival of flesh recurs on kentucky farms do boys with turkey quills or goose quills blow the bladders up tie the necks and hang them in smoke-houses or garrets to dry and then at daybreak of christmas morning having warmed and expanded them before the fire do they jump on them and explode them a primitive folk-rite for making a magnificent noise ages older than the use of crackers and cannon the children contrive their picture frames by gluing october acorns and pine cones to ovals of boards and giving the mass a thick coat of varnish on winter nights do little girls count the seeds for the apples they are eating and pronounce over them the incantation of their destinies thus in another guise going through the same charm of words that marguerite used as she scattered earthward the petals of trust and ruin do they sitting face to face bareheaded on sun hued meadows pluck the dandelion when the seed are clustered at the top like a ball of gauze and with one breath try to blow these off 
for the number of seed that remain will tell the too many years before they should be asked in marriage do they slit the stems and cast them in the near brook and watch them form into ringlets and floating hair as of a water spirit do they hold buttercups under each other's chins to see who likes butter that is mind you good butter romping little juliets of nature proud courtyards with young montagues watching from afar sane little ophelias of the garland at the water's brink secure for many years yet from all sad hamlets do country children do such things and have such notions now perhaps once in a lifetime on some summer day when the sky was filled with effulgence and white clouds you may have seen a large low-flying bird cross the landscape straight away from you so exactly poised under the edge of a cloud that one of the wings beat in shadow while the other waved in light thus these two children following their path over the fields that morning ran along the dividing line between the darkness and the light of their world on one side of them lay the thinning shadow of a man's ancient romance with nature which is everywhere most rapidly dying out in this civilization the shadow of that romance which for days was the earliest ray of his religion in later centuries came the splendor of his art then loomed as the historic background of his titanic myths and fables and now only in obscure valleys is found lingering in the play of superstitious children at twilights before darkness engulfs them the latest of the infants in the dusk of the oldest gods on the other side blazed the hard clear light of that realism of human life which is the unfolding brightness of the new world that light of reason and of reasonableness which seems to take from man both his mornings and his evenings with all their half-lights and their mysteries and to leave him only a perpetual noonday of the actual in which everything loses its shadow so the two ran that morning but so children ever run between the fresh light and the old darkness of ever advancing humanity between the world's new birth and a forgetting on the brother and sister skipped and bounded wild with health and christmas joy their quarrel was in a moment forgotten happy children the nature of the little girl was not deep enough to remember a quarrel the boy's nature was too deep to remember one crimson-tipped madcap winter spirits the blue dome vaulting infinitely above them with all its clouds pushed aside the wind throwing itself upon them at every step like some huge young animal force unchained for exercise and rude in its good-natured play as they crossed a woodland pasture the hoary fields rocked and roared strewing in their path bits of bark and rotten twigs and shattered sprigs of mistletoe in an open meadow a yellow-breasted lark sprang reluctantly from its cuddling place and drifting far behind them on the rushing air in a cornfield out of a dried bunch of partridge grass a rabbit started softly and went bobbing away over the corn rows with its white flag run up at the rear end of the fortifications as a notice please not to shoot or otherwise trespass alas that so palpable and polite a request should be treated as so plain a target once the little girl changed her trotting gait to a walk nearly as fast so that her skirt swished from side to side of her plump hips with wren-like energy and briskness her mind was still harping on her father 
and having satirized him and adoring him she now would fain approve him my but it's cold herbert papa says it is not sickness that plays havoc with you it's not being ready for sickness and being ready depends upon how you have lived it depends upon what you are and that's where your virtue comes in my child if you have any virtue we have been taught to stay out of doors when it is cold and now we can come out when it is colder we are ready for the crisis and elsie pushed her nose into the air with smallish amusement the boy gravely pondered her words without crisis and pondered his own before replying i wonder what kind of children we'd have been if we'd had some other father or some other mother he added with a change of tone as he uttered that last word and he looked askance at his sister to see whether she would glance at him she kept her face set straight forward but she impatiently exclaimed others 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 you are always thinking of others herbert i am one of the others myself cried the boy relieved that his secret was his own and bounding suddenly on the earth also as if with a sense of his kinship to its unseen host the question he had asked marked him for he was one of the children who from the outset begin to ask of life what it means and who are surprised when there are no one to tell them for him there was no rest until he solved some mystery or had at least found out where some mystery stood abandoned on the road a mystery still her intelligence stopped short at what she perfectly knew she saw with amazing clearness but she beheld very little hers was that order of intelligence which is gifted with vision of almost terrifying accuracy at short range life is a thin painted curtain and its depths are the painted curtain's depths once they came to a pair of bars which led into a meadow the bars were of green timber and were very heavy as he strained and tugged at them she waited close behind him dancing to the right and to the left so that there was a sound of mud crystals being crushed under her tyrannical little fat feet hurry 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 she exclaimed with impatience we may run in the cold but we must not stand still in the cold and she kicked him on the heels and pummeled him between the shoulders with her muff i am doing my best he said laughing heartily your best is not good enough she urged laughing heartily likewise this bar is wedged tight it's the sap that's frozen to the post look out there behind he stepped back and with a short run lifted his leg and kicked the bar with his full strength the recoil threw him backward to the ground but he was quickly on his feet again and as the bar was now loosened he let it down for her she stepped serenely through and without looking back or waiting trotted on he put the bars up and with a spurt soon overtook her for the meadow they were now crossing had been closely grazed in the autumn and there was better walking they went up rising ground and reached one of those dome-like elevations which were a feature of the bluegrass country straight ahead of them half a mile away stood the house toward which they were hastening a two-story brick house lifted a little above its surroundings of yard and gardens and shrubbery and vines an oak tree over its roof cedar trees near its windows ivy covering one of its walls a lawn sloping from it to a thicket of evergreens where its christmas tree each year was cut the children greeted with fresh enthusiasm the sight of this charming 
this ideal place to which they were transferring their christmas plans and pleasures abandoning their own hearthstone there lived their father's friend here lived harold and elizabeth their friends and there lived the wife and mother of the household the woman toward whom from their infancy they had been herded as by a driving hand the tell-tale christmas smoke of the land was pouring from its chimneys showing that it was being warmed through and through for coming guests and coming festivities at one end of the building in an l was the kitchen it sent forth a volume of smoke the hospitable invitations of which there was no misunderstanding at the opposite end was the parlor it stood for the spirit as a kitchen for the honest flesh the wee travellers on the distant hilltop thought of the flesh first they had no idea of the origin of the american christmas they did not know that this vast rolling festival had migrated to the new world drawing with it things gathered from many lands and centuries that the cooking and the feasting crossed from pagan england that the evergreen with its lights and gifts came from pagan germany that the mystical fireside with its stockings was introduced from holland that the evergreen now awaiting them in the shut and darkened parlour of this kentucky farmhouse represented the sacred tree which had been found in nearly every ancient land and is older than the tree of life in the literature of eden as far as they thought of the antiquity of the christmas festival at all it had descended straight from the holy land and the manger of bethlehem this error now led to complications the boy's crimson skull-cap had a peak which curled forward and attached to this peak by several inches of cruel hung a round crimson ball the size of a seed-ball of a sycamore the shifting wind blew it hither and thither so that it buffeted him in the face and eyes on this exposed height especially the wind raced free and he ducked his head and turned his face sideways toward her an imp of winter joy as he shouted across the gale if people are still baking such quantities of cake in memory of christmas after all these hundreds of years don't you suppose elsie that the apostles must have been fearful cake eaters to have left such an impression on the world cake is a kind of sacred thing at home even yet isn't it a fine cake looks still as if it was baked for an apostle doesn't it now doesn't it elsie did not reply at once her younger brother was growing into the habit of saying unexpected things once after he had left the breakfast table she had heard her father say to her mother that he had genius elsie was not positive as to all that genius comprised but she at once decided that if she did not possess genius she did not wish genius however she packed herself off to her room and thought further about this unpleasant parental discrimination if he has genius she said finally at least he did not get it from them and there was triumph in her eye i see not the slightest sign of genius in either of them he must have gotten it from our grandparents never from them from that moment she had begun to oppose her mind to his mind as a superior working instrument in a practical world whenever he put forth a fancy she put forth a fact and the fact was meant to extinguish the fancy as a muffler puts out a candle after a moment she now replied with a mind that had repudiated genius nothing is said in the new testament my child about cake the only thing mentioned is loaves and fishes 
but they do seem to have done an unconscionable amount of dining on bread and fish and elsie had her own satirical laugh at the table customs of ancient palestine as viewed from the kentucky standard of the nineteenth century the boy before replying deliberated as always they may not have had cake but they had meat because they said he sat with sinners at meat i wonder why it was always the sinners who got the meat elsie could offer no personal objection to this providence had ordained her to dwell in the tents of flesh herself how could they feed five thousand people on five loaves and two fishes how could they at one of those fish dinners they did it said elsie flatly she saw the whole transaction with brilliant clearness saw to the depths of the painted curtain it was as naturally fact as the family four of them at breakfast that morning fed on home-smoked sausages and perfectly digestible buckwheat cakes and twelve baskets of crumbs that makes it worse with bread for thousands everywhere why pick up crumbs nothing is said about crumbs they were fragments but if i've got to believe it i've got to think how they did it i've got to i can't think of it as it is i must think of it as it isn't but i can't do anything with the loaves i give up the bread however i think those two fish might have been leviathans that would have been two thousand five hundred people to each leviathan many of them might not have liked leviathan i wouldn't have wanted any they could have skipped me they could have had my slice and the babies they didn't want much anyhow that's the best i can do for the fish and he had his laugh also not an incessant ripple like hers but a music issuing from the depths of him through joy in the things he saw elsie made the reply which of late was becoming habitual in her talks with him don't begin to be peculiar herbert you are too young to be peculiar leave that to old people and elsie's mind glided off from the loaves and the fishes of galilee to certain old people in her neighbourhood from whose eccentricities she extracted acrid amusement the boy's words were not irreverent irreverence had never been taught him he did not know what irreverence was they merely expressed the primary action of his mind in dealing with what to him was a wonder story of nature and yet with this same mind which asked of wonder that it be reasonable he was on his way to the celebration of christmas eve and to the story of the nativity the most joyous the most sad the most sublime nature story of mankind his unconscious requirement was that this also must be reasonable if it were not he would not accept the portions that were reasonable and reject the others as now too childish for his four-handed american brain they were nearing the end of their bitter walk the little girl as she hurried forward now and then strained her eyes toward the opposite ends of the house ahead at the kitchen smoke which promised such gifts to the flesh at the window shutters of the darkened parlour where the christmas tree stood soon to be decorated with presents some for her the little fat mercenary now approaching who was positive that during these days of preparation she had struck a shrewd bargain with the immortal the boy too looked at these windows but especially he looked at another between them from which perhaps elizabeth was watching for him once he turned and walking backward directed his gaze from this high point far across the country somewhere back there his father might now be stopping at a farmhouse 
a malignant disease was raging among the children of the neighborhood some of whom were his schoolmates and friends the holidays would bring no merry christmas for them wherever his father might be there an influence started and came rushing across the landscape like the shadow of a cloud it fell upon him and traveled on toward the house he was approaching it disappeared within the house and fell upon the woman who so wonderfully moved about in it a chilling mysterious shadow that bound the three of them his father and himself and this gentle woman together in a band of darkness then he faced about and ran on longing the more ardently for elizabeth the path between him and elizabeth lay before his nimble feet like a band of light end of section one